everybody and a very big welcome to you from wherever you are in the world. My name is Pastor Craig and it's really exciting to be able to join with you in our weekend messages here at Victory Life Church Online. Let's pray together as we jump into this week's message and the start of a brand new series. More about that after the prayer. Father, thank you so much that we can come together from wherever we are in the world and we can receive from you, we can hear from you, we can be edified by you, we can be taught by you. Father, shape us. Please, Father, reach deep within us and change whatever needs to be changed so we can live the abundant life that you promised to give glory to you. Thank you for all those people who are joining us right now around the world in unity. We join hands with whoever tells the story of Jesus Christ and we declare you our God and there is no other. In Jesus' name we pray. Once again, a very big welcome to you. For those of you who are joining us, it's awesome to be able to get together from wherever we are in the world and participate, learn, grow, and be taught by God. Every single time we come together, Scripture tells us we will be edified, we will be encouraged, and we will be exhorted to go on to greater things. We're starting a brand new message series. Now, we changing things up a little bit because we didn't want to camp on Pastor Dwayne's time slot. He's got a, a new message series starting next weekend. But what we're doing this time around is we're starting a midweek message series here on the weekend. We wanted to try and convince some of you who don't usually join us on the midweek to catch the rest of the series in our midweek time slot. So even though this is part one of Faith, Hope, and Love, you'll be able to get part two and the rest of the series during the midweek time slots, which is available. You can check those out on the schedule. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, as we jump into the Word, really excited about where this message series is going to take us, Faith, Hope, and love. Of course, some of you might know that faith, hope, and love, that concept of those three things being pretty important in our Christian walk, was outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and really is the message series theme scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is, is a story of what love is and how love is the greatest thing in the world. Now, we know that it was because of God's love that He sent His only begotten Son. It was because that we could receive love from God that we knew that we were good enough to love. You see, God is an incredible God. He always gives what He needs us to do. He doesn't just expect um, something from us. He doesn't expect something from us that He hasn't already provided for. He doesn't give us um, a lot of decrees and commands and tell us, hey, I need your obedience, but He doesn't model faithfulness. He will always give us what He expects from us. He provides what He expects. And the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 is probably the, one of the world's most popular scriptures, especially at weddings and, and marriages around the world. It, it speaks about how love is one of the greatest things in the world. And it then goes on and, and unpacks in, in 1 Corinthians 13. It speaks about the gifts it speaks about how the Holy Spirit has given some, pe some people some gifts, prophetic words and speaking in tongues and some of the crazy things that you think Christians do for those of you who aren't around us crazies uh, all that much. It's okay. We, we, we know that these gifts exist and that the Holy Spirit moves on us to give us those gifts. And as it talks about how important love is, it says that love is so much greater than any other gift or talent or, or anything you might be able to do. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, in the very last verse of that famous chapter in the Bible, I'm going to read it to you. It says this, Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. 
And the greatest of these is love. So the Apostle Paul here, as he writes to the Corinthians, just wants to underline that there are some other things that exist, faith, hope, and love, but love is the most important. That was the whole thrust of that chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. But interestingly, that the Apostle Paul highlights these three things and tells us that they will always remain. So even though when we pass away and we go and step into the heavenly realms with the Father, we will have faith, hope, and love. We, we will always need these three elements. And so over the next couple of weeks during our midweek services, we're going to unpack those three elements. We're going to have a look at what it means to walk a life where faith, hope, and love are our priority. You see, that scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us quite categorically what things are important and what things should be important in our lives. We, we have an incredible ability to prioritize God and the Bible and our Christian walk to a Sunday morning or a Saturday afternoon or, or a Wednesday afternoon. We, we, we categorize when we go to church, and that's when we go. On that time slot, that's when we go to church. But this scripture is saying, don't prioritize these three things away. At the top of your to-do list every single day, that scripture says, the most important, the greatest, the most important three things, faith, hope, and love. And we're going to be taking a look at what it means to walk a life, practically walk a life of faith, of hope, and of love. So over the next couple of weeks, you might want to mark that scripture in your Bible. You might want to put a, a marker there because we're going to be studying that scripture over and over again. We're going to be looking at it from all three angles and then seeing how those three things come together. One of the very first things I, I learned about the Father, I learned about God as I began my personal journey with Him, was what I said earlier, that He never expects from us anything He hasn't already provided. He, he never asks us to do something without having given us what we need to do it. Now, we might be thinking that God is a God that sits in the sky and demands from us, you've got to do, you've got to be obedient, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. But God never expects us to do anything without having first provided the tools and the wherewithal to get it done. So, for example, in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 10, he, he, he puts an expectation. He says, I expect you to love your enemies. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 says, don't just say you love people, genuinely love them. There's an expectation that we are to love others. Uh, Jesus Christ came along and told us the story about the Good Samaritan and loving thy neighbor. He tells us that, that we've got to love. But God doesn't expect us to love him or our neighbors without modeling love for us as well. He gives us the example and He gives us love to show how we can then go out and love others. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So God doesn't expect us to love our enemies without first modeling how He loved His enemies. Oh, how did God love His enemies? Well, as Jesus was dying for you and for me on the cross... He was demonstrating that He loved us no matter who we were and where we were. He didn't know us. God 
wasn't in that relationship with us at that point. He didn't just lavishly love those he knew. No, he lavishly loved everybody that calls on the name of Jesus. He lavishly loved everybody. Everybody has the opportunity to know of God's love. And I think for those of us who've discovered God's love that he gave to us, it changed how we love others. So we can be a testimony to the fact that God gave us his love and that enabled us to love. If we push into this theory a little bit deeper, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it speaks about that we've got to have faith. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us that the three greatest things are faith, hope, and love. We've surely then got to have some form of faith. Well, God doesn't just demand faith from us without giving us the ability to have faith. If you have a look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Now, we've often defined faith as the faith. You know, what faith I belong to? Am I a Methodist? Am I a Catholic? What's my faith? Am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? What is my faith? That's not your faith. That's your style of worship. Your faith is something that God has already given you that He asks you to express. He doesn't call you to walk a life of faith without giving you the faith that you need. The same is true of hope. God calls us to have hope. He, he calls His church the hope of the world. He demands us almost to walk a life living in hope. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this, This letter from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. God never demands something from us or expect something from us unless He has already provided it for us. He is a wonderful, wonderful God. Any other deity that you can study demands things from its worshippers without giving its worshippers anything. You see, all other deities you might study are not alive. They're not real. They're not tangible. They're not a loving source of gifts and grace like God the Father is, that we've come to know through Jesus Christ. And so no other deity can give that which it needs from its worshipers. God, however, provides for us, while we are still sinners, everything that we need for us to exercise the kind of life that He would like us to have. And so when He calls us to have a life of abundance, well, He's abundantly given to us before we give Him anything. When he calls us to love our enemies, he's abundantly loved his enemies before we've loved our neighbor. When he calls us to have hope in a hopeless world, he instills in you the ability to have hope even though it seems hopeless. When he, when he calls you to have faith, he gives you the ability to see things, the possibilities, and get moving even though you can't see them tangibly. You see, when God requires us to do these three important things, faith, hope, and love, He gives us the faith needed. He shows us the, faith, the love He has for us, and He provides us a hope through Jesus Christ. 
What does it mean, though, if we've received this faith, hope, and love? What does it mean for us to genuinely activate all three of these most important things? Love, we know out of those three is the greatest, but those are our top three. Faith, hope, and love. Well, over the next couple of weeks on our midweek services, we're going to continue this series and unpack what it means to walk out a life of faith, hope, and love. We're not just going to give you the definitions of what these things are. No, we're even going to interview some people as regards who are walking out some of these aspects in their life and see what their thought processes are. What disciplines do they have in walking out a life of faith, hope, and love? In today's session, we're going to have a look and start looking at the first one, faith. We'll leave the best for last. The greatest of these is love. We'll leave that one for last. But over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look and start taking a look at faith. Now, interestingly, there's a key to walking out faith, hope, and love found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. Because these words, faith, hope, and love, can seem like glorious, altruistic type uh, things that we could never really achieve. You know, you, how do you define if somebody's a man of faith? How, how, do, you, how do you define if, if somebody genuinely loves their enemies and love abounds in their lives? How do, how do I see tangibly somebody walking a life of hope? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, it gives us a little bit of a key. Turn with me as we have a look at that key, as we begin the discussion today of faith. We remember, therefore, sorry, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Did you see that? Work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So 1 Thessalonians tells us that if we're walking out a life of faith, the, the way it describes that word in the Greek, work, it means activation. It means to get going. It means to get up in the morning. It means to actually be wanting to get to work uh, with God. So faith produces in us a desire, even though the work is not done yet, to get going towards the work. Hope births out in us an endurance to keep going. Once we've been activated, we can have an endurance and the love means, this labor, means that we'd be willing to sacrifice, give up what is comfortable for God and for others. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a look at what that life looks like, what, what this work, this activation that faith gets going in us, what the endurance that hope breeds in us, and finally, what the, what the endurance breeds into labor of love, what that looks like. For us. So when we have a look at work that is produced by faith to start, it's not work that we do to show our faith. Notice what that scripture says. In 1 Thessalonians it says, no, it's work because of the faith. In other words, because we have been given this gift of faith by God, Romans chapter 12, we now begin a life with expectation with a desire, with a, with a passion to see things that aren't there yet, to build and create, 
to, to see things that aren't there, but see them so in such reality that they seem to be there. Work produced by faith is a passionate expression of your trust in the Word of God. Can I say that again? Work, this work produced by faith, is a passionate expression of your trust in the Word of God. You see, when we have a trust in the promises of God, sometimes we can't see them. Sometimes we can't tangibly identify that, yes, that promise of God is a reality in my life. We, we can't see in the physical God's promises right now. We might be in a terrible situation. We might be sitting with a bad situation with relatives or loved ones or an ailment or a sickness or a disease or a financial impact. And so what we have is we have the situation that seems to make it look impossible for us to get going. But when we have this work produced by faith, even though we're in that insurpassable situation, we have a desire to get going because we have a desire to express what God's Word is in our lives. We trust it even though we can't see it. We, we raised up it. It's, a, it's, it, it. it's when we have something brewing in us that's so unbelievable, so unbelievable that no one else can see it, but we can see it with our mind's eye. And we trust that God has defined it. And we trust that God has told us that it is true. And when we get to the place where we want to express what we know of God that is true in our lives, that moment where we want to take a step. We have no idea what step two or three will be, but we have this desire to start expressing what we know is true. We're not going to get to a place of being able to activate our faith, produce the work that faith can produce, unless we know that God's Word is true. You see, when I sit down on a chair... I can trust it because I can see that there are four legs attached to the ground. I'm not going to fall over. I know it's true, therefore I can trust it, therefore I am willing to sit in it. I am willing to step out with God because I know that His Word is true and unlike the chair, even though I can't see it. You see... We have to take the imagination of our minds. Imagining is one thing. Activating our imagination takes the gift of faith that God has given us. When we have been given this gift of faith by God, we need to trust it. We need to know that it will hold us. We need to know that He will carry us. And when we get so excited about how awesome God's Word is in our lives, that bubbles over to form an activation, to form an actual get up and go, to form the fact that we want to do something. We don't just want to roll over and go back to sleep and sleep away the problems of the world. No, we want to get out of bed and we want to attack life with a spring in our step. Faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, is believing even though we can't see, knowing even though we can't see, being assured even though we can't see. So assured that we get up and we go. We don't know where we're going. We don't quite know what the transport looks like, but we get up and we go. <clears throat> Faith is knowing that this same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is ours. It's believing that Jesus had the power to do what He said He would do, to be who He said He was. 
He had the power and He brought it to us, gave us the Word. God then added the gift of faith and we now have the need, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, to activate those two gifts in our lives. When we marry the trust of God and God's Word in our lives with our imagination, and we add the wonderful gift of faith to that mixture, watch miracles happen in your life. We have been given this gift by God Himself. We have been given this gift of faith to mix with the trust in His Word. But what we now need to do is receive that gift and do something with it. Now, I know I've probably told this story before, but my grandmother, she died recently at the age of 95 and a sold-out believer to the Lord Jesus Christ, and she passed away recently. But I remember clearly growing up, we used to purchase gifts for my grandmother, and um, they, they, she used to love working in the kitchen. And we'd buy her the, the latest mixing uh, equipment and, and things to make her life easier in the kitchen. And when we moved her out of that house, all of those gifts were stashed on the top of her kitchen cupboard. She'd actually never, ever taken them out of the box. She believed that mixing by hand was better than using a mixer. She, she didn't want to overcomplicate her life, so she never, ever took those gifts out of the box. Well, that was her thought, uh, let alone the fact that those gifts could have saved her time and energy. When you leave the gift of faith in the top of the cupboard and never use it, you will always find that mediocrity is crouching at your door. Faith gives you the ability to take your life to a whole new level that God wants you to go. He doesn't want you to simply be knowing about faith and putting it up on the cupboard. He doesn't want you just to know that He has given you faith. No, He wants you to take that faith out the box and put it to use. And when we put it to use towards Jesus, watch the miraculous happen. When we take out that gift of faith that God has given us and we activate it towards Jesus, that is when faith becomes a real tangible thing in our lives, giving us passion, giving us zeal, giving us some vuma in our step to get up and get life done. All Satan has to do is try and make you too tired, too sick, too depressed to want to step up in faith. Can you imagine if Abraham, when he got the call, didn't feel the desire to get going, to take the first step, to take the plunge. That is what faith activated does for us. It gives us a supernatural ability to overcome and move forward. When the faith of God meets the faith of your imagination, miracles happen. Jesus himself was even amazed by this gift of faith. In fact, Scripture outlines twice when Jesus was amazed by faith. He actually said, I am amazed. The first went like this in Mark chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. Jesus was in his own hometown. He was teaching, and some people took offense. They got a bit aggressive towards him. They got angry that he was teaching. They called him just the son of a carpenter. And, and so he, he could not do any miracles there, according to Mark 6 verse 5. He couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith, says verse 6. Just a few moments later in his life, we get to Luke chapter 7, 
And a centurion who had a dying servant comes out to meet him and says, you know what, Jesus, you don't even have to go to my home to heal him. You don't have to go back to my house. You just say the word, and I know, and I trust your authority. I know, I have faith that you can activate the healing in that man's life just by being here. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. In fact, he says in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Jesus was both amazed at somebody's lack of faith as he was amazed at the great step of faith that the centurion took when meeting him about his sick slave. How big is your faith? What side of amazed does Jesus see when he looks at your activation of God's word in your life? You see, if we have a look at our level of faith judged by what we prayed for today, did, did, we, did you pray for something big? Something unimaginable? Something unseen? Something so amazing that it could only be God when it happens? Or did you pray for the parking spot outside your local supermarkets? Not that that's not an important prayer. Did you wait on God for traveling mercies? You see, if, if God had to say yes to your prayers of this morning, would they be big, amazing yeses? Or would they be mediocre yeses? Would your prayers be just ordinary things? Would you have just arrived safely at Granny's house because you prayed for traveling mercies? Or, or maybe you, tr you prayed that everybody would have a good day. Or, or maybe that you prayed that your thighs would get less and your dimples bigger. Maybe, maybe you prayed for things that are important but not amazing. Things that are, are serious to you but, but don't impact the world in a wonderful, wonderful, passionate way. Maybe you prayed for things that you've just always prayed for. Bless this food to our bodies. Now, we're not knocking praying over our food. It's good to give credit to the Father for His provision. But, but maybe we just enjoyed the meal. Maybe you, you asked Lord, the Lord to bless the food to your bodies because you were eating something that was so ungood for you and unhealthy that God had to bless it to your bodies and He, he had to change it from being unhealthy to healthy. But the point being is, are we praying? Are we stepping out? Are we willing to activate God just in the mediocre things because we kind of know that those are going to kind of happen? Or are we praying for things and stepping up and wanting God to activate things in our life that are so unbelievable, so unthinkable, that only He would get the credit if they ever happened? Maybe we should be praying for wonderful things, big things, because when we play it safe, we don't see big things happen. Maybe you've dreamed for big things, and dreaming for things and activating your God-given faith for things are two very different things. Often when we imagine things and we start dreaming for things in our own power, we begin putting plans in place to get there. You see, when we activate our faith for things, with God, we can't even imagine that thing happening, let alone what steps we have to take to get there. No, all we need to do is dream with God, activate our faith with God, and then watch Him order our steps and take one step at a time. So I want to ask you again today, how big is your faith?
Is God amazed by it because you have such great faith? Are you activating your faith in a great way? Or is he amazed by it because you lack the desire to activate the dreams that his God-given faith has given you? How big is your faith? Here's some steps that you might want to consider, things that you might want to work through as we discuss faith, to measure, to say, well, hang on, am I using the faith that God has given me, or have I stashed it on the top cupboard in my kitchen? The first thing we need to realize is that you cannot play it safe and please God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is not about playing it safe. Faith is about thinking, stepping out and doing the unthinkable. Stay, faith is about seeing things that are even though they're not, and seeing things that are not as though they are. Faith is about turning a room on itself with excitement for the possibility and then walking it out and being willing to walk it out with God. How big is your faith? Well, your faith will only be as big as how safe you play it. If you're playing it safe with God, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, you can't please Him. It's not saying that you're going to be written off and destroyed and that you have no eternal life and that Jesus doesn't love you. No, He just wants you to have abundance. He wants you to have an incredible, fired-up, passionate life. And without that faith, it's impossible to have that life. You cannot play it safe with God, with, with God and please Him at the same time. If you can accomplish your goals without God, well, then Jesus will be amazed at the lack of your faith. If you aren't scared every now and then, if you don't quite know how to do the next thing and you're just going forward with God directing your every step, if you've not got some anticipation in your heart that, that maybe there's a point of failure, but I'm going to go ahead anyway, then you're not living this abundantly exciting, passionate life that God has in store for you. You see, Peter walked on water. He was the only disciple to get out of the boat. And you know what? Quite frankly, Peter failed. Every now and then, we're going to have to fail to prove our faith. Now, I know that sounds crazy. You might be saying, but, but surely if I step out with God... Things will always work out. Well, no, you know, sometimes taking a risk even with God is going to result in failure. We live in a broken world. We live in a place that doesn't want to see us succeed. We live in a place where circumstances hit us left, right, and center. Faith is about stepping out and despite the failure, being willing to get up and go at it again. Try again and do more with Him next time. Never let the fear of failure talk you out of an act of faith. Can I say that again? Never let, let the fear of failure talk you out of an act of faith. You can't play it safe and please God. The second thing you need to realize is that as long as you back or have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Now this might sound a bit harsh, but as long as you've got a plan B in your faith walk, as long as you've got a plan B in your spiritual walk, as long as you've got a plan B. Now, what, what does it look like to have a plan B in your spiritual walk? It means relying on the revelation of others of Scripture in your life as opposed to going finding it yourself. It means relying on a guarantee that someone else will do it. I don't have to. 
It means going back to an excuse that governed your life and not stepping out, living an excuse-free life. As long as you have a guarantee or something to fall back on in your faith walk, you don't really have faith at all. You see, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 puts it like this. Faith is the, say it with me, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That doesn't sound like a plan B to me. That sounds like God has given me a vision. He's given me direction. I don't quite know how I'm going to get there, but I'm willing to take the first step. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. Can I say that again? You can have faith or you can have control, but you definitely can't have both. Oh, but this might not work, Pastor Craig. I, 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 I'm not going to step out just in case I fail. I, I, you know what? I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to my old ways, my, my guarantee, even though my old ways are, are depression and putting me down and I don't feel as good as I know I could by doing it the old way. But Pastor Craig, you know what? It might not work. I, I, I don't know if I should do this. You know what? Trust God and take the first step. You've wasted more energy giving excuses as regards why you shouldn't take the first step than you would do taking the first step. Start a life group. Take a new job. If you're going to ask a girl out, brush your teeth. Do something to make sure that you take a step in the right direction. As long as you have a guarantee, you're never going to have faith. But take a chance. Take a leap of faith. Do something. Get the work activated in your life according to Thessalonians and move forward with your faith. Oh, but I, I don't know my Bible well enough. I, I haven't ever led people to the Lord. I don't know how to lead a group. I don't know how to be part of a group. I, I'm quite comfortable just doing what I've been doing. As long as you have a guarantee, you're never going to step out in faith. I can't tell you that your life group is going to be a roaring success. I can't tell you that you're going to be the next best preacher since Joel Osteen. I can't tell you that you're going to do a better job teaching people like Brother Dwayne. But as long as you've got a guarantee, you're never going to step out in faith. As long as you're willing to fall back on the maybes and the ifs, no one can give you a guarantee. God has guaranteed your life. And He's saying, will you trust me with it? And He asks you to please step out. If you're thinking about joining a life group in the room, there's ways of doing that. If you're thinking about leading a life group online, there's ways to do it. And if there's not, make them, build them, try something new, try it differently, do something no one else has done before. And you know what? The excitement that you will get from just taking that step with God is amazing. I remember the first time I, I watched my young son play 10-pin bowling, and he used to throw that ball down the alley. And nine times out of ten, we'd have to wait a little while when he was younger for it to get there. It kind of almost didn't get there, and then it knocked over the pins at the end. And eventually, when he got a bit bigger, better, we put the bumpers up, the, those little guide rails on the side, so that his ball wouldn't go into the gutter, and he would be able to get the ball down to where the pins were and hit something over. As he grew up and as he got older and his, his expression of rolling that ball and letting that ball go got more and more confident because he did it more and more. He didn't want the bumpers. He didn't want the guarantee. He wanted the challenge of getting the ball down the, uh, the alley. 
You see, you and I in our faith walk are very similar to young Kyle. As, as we throw the ball down, as we release that ball, and we release it more and more with God, we, we realize that, you know what, the guarantees are actually a hindrance to the excitement of seeing what God is going to do with our lives. And so eventually we get to a place in our faith walk where we ask for those guardrails to be put down, and we say, you know what, I trust God more than I trust the potential of my failure. And we roll the ball with an excitement to see what God will do. Maybe it will go into the gutter this time, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to roll that ball again and again and again with God. And I will never be defeated with Him. I will always grow and I will always be edified and educated by Him. So take a step. Take something and do something. Don't fall back on your excuses. Don't fall back on those guide rails. Try something new. If there isn't a ministry, start one. If there is a ministry, get involved with it. Step out of your comfort for God and watch Him honor you and bless you. Point number three about growing in your faith is to, step, to take a step toward your destiny. You have to take a step away from your security. To take a step towards your destiny, you have to take a step away from your security. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, when it's discussing some of the greatest men of faith of all time, it says this about Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. According to that scripture in Thessalonians that we just read, faith is not about knowing where you're going. That's hope. That's the endurance. Faith is simply about standing up and getting moving. It's about starting the energy that will propel you forward. And when you get up in faith, according to Corinthians 13, the next thing that will kick in is your hope. And hope will keep you going along the journey. You know what? I often used to look around and say, you know what? If I know what I'm doing, why do it any differently? Well, what I know I'm doing and what I know I can do is my security. But I will never ever get out of the frame of knowing what I can do and seeing what God can do unless I leave that security behind, even though I don't know where He's taking me. Share your faith with somebody, even though you think that they might laugh at you. Offer them to take them to church, even though they might say no. It's not about the response to your action. It's about taking the action. It's about standing up and saying, I did it, even though it didn't work. I still stood up and did what was right. Invite someone to church. Start tithing. Start giving back to the Lord what He has already given you. Take a step and say, oh, I can't afford to tithe, and know that if you start to tithe in faith, you will always be able to afford to give to the Lord. Start a business, employ somebody, do the count the cost, look at it, see what you've got to do, and then take the next step knowing that if you do it with Jesus, it will always teach you and grow you. You don't have to build your faith. You don't have to go and study your faith. No, God has already given you all the faith that you need. What you need to do now is activate that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and get moving. You see, we are big thinkers when we walk in faith. 
We're not small thinkers. We, we don't want to live a mediocre life. We want to live a great life. God has placed that desire on the inside of us, and He's given the mechanism for us to step out in that great life. He's given us eternity in our hearts, and He's given us faith to walk out like we have all the time in the world. You see, He didn't just give us a small commission. He gave us a great commission. He doesn't want a few to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Thinking small is going to let your emotions, your fears, your insecurities, your past, and all the issues of life dictate how big an impact you make on this life. Thinking small is allowing what people told you you are, what people say you are, to rule your life, and not allowing what God says you are. Here on the online church and the online platform, we don't have a small dream. We have a big dream. We have dreams of services on the hour, every hour, right round the clock, no matter where you are in the world. We have dreams of people who, who are busy studying up how to commit suicide, finding Victory Life Church online, and coming to a new understanding of who they are, giving them back their lives. We have people that are about to gamble away their savings, that are about to watch all sorts of filth, all sorts of things online, coming across a service that's running regularly, and that message changing their lives all the time, all around the clock. For that, we need people to step out in faith and say, yes, I want to help with that vision. I don't know how to. I don't even know how to open up a computer and switch it on. But I'm going to put my name up, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to go. I'm going to get out of my house. I'm going to go and visit other people. I'm going to go and find new people to join me at church. I'm going to do whatever it takes to fulfill the greatness that God has already placed on the inside of me. But that takes a thought change. That takes a, an opinion change of what you think of yourself. If you know that you've already got the faith, it's now time to you, for you to start thinking how we activate that faith. And as we begin to unpack the activation of your faith, I think it would be really good for us to get on the inside of someone's mind that walks in faith. So please, Join us this midweek series as we service, as we go to the next message in this series. This Wednesday and Thursday, join us online. We're going to get inside the head of somebody who, through faith, overcame cancer. Now, you might know him already. When you hear occasionally somebody shout out from the audience, think about it. Well, we're going to be chatting to Pastor Chet Teal, Pastor Think About It, who's busy battling cancer and winning because of his thought process of faith. We're going to get inside the head of what his habits and his disciplines were in how he can overcome great things by having even greater faith. That's this week, midweek service, as we continue understanding the faith behind faith, hope, and love. Step out and do something this week that you wouldn't normally do. Step up and take a risk with God, a risk that you wouldn't normally take. Swallow the fear, swallow the pride of life and step out in worshiping and glorifying God with everything that you've got and everything that He has given you. I hope that this message blessed you. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's pray and then we can go our different ways. Father, we thank you so much that you can edify us and teach us from wherever we are in the world. Father, we look forward to understanding faith, hope, and love in a whole new way through this series. Thank you for teaching us
that we have the ability to step up and achieve all things in your name. We love you, and we declare you our God, for there is no other. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people all around the world said, Amen. Amen. I look forward to seeing you again this midweek services as we continue faith, hope, and love. You be blessed, and we'll see you again.